Welcome to Intentionally Grounded. I'm your host, Brian Willey, along with my co-host, John Kesselring. Episode 48 features the offensive coordinator for Minnesota State Mankato, Joe Bashaner. Coach shares his journey through the collegiate coaching ranks, culminating with his latest stop at MSU Mankato. Coach also discusses the keys to building an offensive identity, offensive game planning tips, player development, and assistant coach empowerment. Don't forget to check out our website at igfootballcoach.com for all our blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could leave us a review on iTunes to help grow our program and share our message with a larger community. This episode of Intentionally Grounded is brought to you by GoRoute. GoRoute brings practice efficiency into the 21st century with on-field digital risk coaches. Trusted at practices by more than 350 high schools and 30-plus FBS and FCS teams, GoRoute allows coaches to instantly send scout cards and installs to players so they can stay up-temple all practice without the need for binders or managing multiple huddles. Compatible with all major play-drawing systems and hand-drawn cards, GoRoute teams routinely double or triple their practice reps daily. If you value practice time and want the best preparation, then you need to go no scout cards with GoRoute. Learn more at www.goroute.com, that is G-O-R-O-U-T.com, or by emailing at sales at goroute.com. Or you can call the phone number at 866-777-1448. Episode 23 of Season 2 of Intentionally Grounded with Coach Joe Bashaner starts now. Coach, introduce yourself to our audience and share your background in coaching. Yeah, my name is Joe Bashaner. I'm the assistant football coach and the offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach here at Minnesota State University in Mankato, Minnesota. Going on my fifth year here. Uh, before that, I was at Simpson College, a Division three school in Indianola, Iowa, about 10 minutes outside of Des Moines. I was there for seven years, the offensive coordinator, quarterback coach. Before that, I was at the University of South Dakota in Vermilion, South Dakota for six years, five or six years. Um, uh, the running backs coach for the four years or five years, and then the secondary coach for a year. Uh, before that, I was here at Minnesota State um, as the running backs coach. I coached um, tight ends, coached D-line for a little bit, I was a graduate assistant for two years, and was a full-time coach for one season. So haven't made too many jumps. So that's been pretty fortunate for myself and my family. Coach, having coached at all those different levels, the Division Three, now you're at Division Two, but you're at USD, obviously one AA for our listeners. What's the biggest difference in coaching, you know, between the levels? Nothing. <laughs> you know, I think that uh, the the money. <laughs> yeah. Big, I mean, I, I haven't made any money yet, but some of the bigger time guys have made some money. Um, <laughs> I, the difference, you know, to me, um, you know, I was at played Division Three football at Timpson. You know, kind of played, was on the team. And then uh, GA'd here at Minnesota State. Um, then, you know, went to Division Two as, you know, as a full-time assistant coach. And then we made the transition from Division Two to Division One AA when I was there. Um, then going back to Division Three or going to Division Three and coming back to Division II. Um, there's no difference. I mean, the rules are the same. You still have to block and tackle. Uh, the biggest difference for me is you get to spend more time with your players during the off season at Division Two as opposed to Division Three. You don't get that hands-on contact. You can't meet with them. You can't work them out. It's got to be one guy, the strength coach. But then, you know, we don't get to spend any time with our kids in the summer like they do at the Division Division One level. 
Um, so the difference, I think, is when you get to spend the time with your players, how much time you get to spend with your players. The same amount of work's got to be done, you know, from game planning, recruiting, all the logistics. You usually just have less people to do it, so there's a little bit more man hours. Um, you know, the, the high school football coaches, it's no different for them than it is for us as assistant coaches or full-time, you know, head coaches or whatever level we're at. They have the same amount of work to do. They don't have to do necessarily the recruiting aspect of it, but they have to do the, you know, you are recruiting. You're recruiting eighth graders. You're recruiting freshmen. You're recruiting numbers to be in your program every single year. So, I, you know, I don't think it's any different at any level. The work's got to be done. You just have less people doing it. And, you know, the big, big, big timers get paid a lot more to do it. Now, Coach, when you were at Simpson College, you helped mold the storm into one of the best rushing tacks in the conference. What were your keys behind your success running the football during those years uh, from 2008 through 2009? I think, you know, we caught – we're in a situation there where um, we had some really good football players. Um, Coach Neiman, who now I think is back at the University of Iowa, had left. Um, the cupboards were not bare by any means. Now there was just a lull in a couple of classes, and we kind of dipped after we had a couple of good seasons. But um, I think that our coaches did a really good job of putting our kids in a situation to be successful. You know, our first year at Simpson, uh, we were – 21 personnel, two back, running insertion schemes and gap schemes, a little bit of zone, wasn't really our forte. Um, we kind of did what our kids had, were able to do. Um, and then the next year, we had a kid by the name of Tyson Unkrich, who was our quarterback, and he was a tremendous athlete. So we were, you know, a spread single wing team that year. Uh, he was our leading rusher, passer, all that fun stuff. But uh, he, uh, I think for us, and at division three level where you can't necessarily go out and you can target who you want um, but you have to do what they do and our, our philosophy here offensively is we want to put our best guys out there put them in the best possible situation to be successful give them the least amount of information necessary to be successful and let them go play really fast and really hard um, so that's kind of what we try to do everywhere we've been coach you just kind of hit on that a little bit just about your philosophy but if you could describe your offense as ideal identity what would it be, and, and where do you really start when you, you know, at the end of every year and you're starting to put together your mindset uh, for, for 2019, where do you start at? Who do we have? Because it's about, our, it's about the players, you know, and it's a line of scrimmage game. It always has been. It always will be. Um, the game is won and lost at the line of scrimmage. So we try to develop everything that we're doing around – our offensive line and the strengths of our quarterback. And then we can fill in the rest from there. Uh, I think you need to be multiple enough to be able to get the football into your best player's hands, but then how you protect, how you build your run game around the strengths of your offensive lineman, I think is, is key. So we spend a lot of time looking at our players and say, okay, what can they do? What skill sets do they have? How do we best build what we do around their skill sets? Um, that will help us give us the most success because it's not what we know as coaches. It's what our players know. It's not what we can do as coaches. Um, it's what our players can do. So we want to put them in the best situation to be successful. And coach, take us through a typical game planning session with you. What are some of the things you're looking for when you break down film of an opponent? And do you have any unique processes that you use to plan for your opponent? Um, I don't know if there's anything that unique that we do. Um, you know, when we start out on Sundays, we come in, we've already put the game, Saturday's game to rest. We go through, we grade it. We look for a lot of, you know, obviously the number one statistic that we look for is the score, right? Mm -hmm. You know, hopefully we have a bunch more points than them. 
But then from there, you know, we're really prideful on running the football, when we want to run the football, how we want to run the football. So then when we look at our opponent going into game plan, sorry, I kind of got off track there. Um, you know, we first and foremost will, as we break down the film, you know, we look at people, our people versus their people, because, you know, football is the ultimate team game. It really, it really is. But in every, on every play, there's one-on-one matchups. So how can we exploit those one-on-one matchups? How can we, you know, exploit two-on-one matchups and those types of things? Um, and then once we get all the film broke down, we start going into, you know, we go through the formation tape. And, and that's in the regular down and distances, you know, first and second down, um, not backed up, not go line. We'll do, we'll look at some red zone stuff with our formation tape, but we'll go through the formations. From there, we go from formations, and then you're looking for uh, leverage advantage, right? Numbers advantage, leverage advantage. This is, they might be deficient lined up. This formation this way, uh, you might get a favorable matchup, say, you know, an unbalanced or whatever it might be with our formations. And then from there, we go into situational football where it's third down, you know, third down and long is eight plus for us. Third medium is four to seven and the third and short is, you know, obviously tell three. So we go through formations, we go third down and distance, and then we go through field zones, you know, backed up, which is, you know, minus 15. And then we have our, you know, minus 15, to the 35, which we've kind of already uncovered and discovered with what we're going through on the formation tape. And then we go into red zone, which is 35 to, you know, 12, sometimes 10, depending on, it all depends on a lot for us is how much the team that we're facing has seen some of those situations. So we might manipulate. It's not a hard and fast this yard line, that yard line, depending on how much film we have of who we're playing. Um, so then we go through the red zone stuff and then we'll go through, you know, the score zone or, you know, 12 to eight to five yard lines. And a lot of teams, it's different depending on what yard line they say, Hey, this is our goal line defense. So then we'll find out what they're saying. Their goal line defense is, and we'll watch the goal line defense, you know, and then from there we'll break some stuff up and look at motions and trades and shifts and some things that can give us um, an advantage. Um, leverage-wise and numbers-wise. I don't think there's anything different that we do. We run our reports, you know, with tendencies on this coverage versus this formation and this coverage versus, you know, this situation where it'll be down in distance or field zone. Same thing with blitzing and stunting. And then I always look at what they've given up. You know, I'm a big believer in yards per play out of formation. So what are they, where are they deficient? What formations give them the most trouble as far as big plays and yards per play by formation coach one of the things that we've done and we've talked to some other coordinators who've you know taken us through their game planning sessions as well and 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 we always kind of are interested a little bit in kind of how they bank their their call sheet and some players and some coaches have you know their core set of plays and then they'll add just a few new concepts every single week um, depending on the opponent when you're kind of going through and you know implementing some of the new things based off of what the film's telling you how much do you really add to your base stuff or how much versus do the new stuff that you put in? I think it's depending on who your kids are. Um, the more mature, experienced players you have, the more things you can do, um, the more, you know, the better understanding they have of what you're doing. You can be a little bit more dynamic with adding a trade, a shift, maybe a wrinkle to a route. Uh, maybe you're going to, 
you know, instead of blocking the six technique to the to run power, you know, you arc the tight end, you kick out the six technique, or vice versa. Um, so we'll do different things like that, depending on what the defense is getting us, depending on how much our players can handle. Um, you know, we don't want to overload them. We don't want them to go out and think football. We want them to go out and play football. Um, but we will add wrinkles to our base concepts. We'll all, we'll also add special route concepts for certain coverages that we're seeing. Um, but for the most part, you know, you're going to have your, you know, your two beaters, your four beaters in the passing game and your man beaters and your three beaters. And uh, maybe we might run something out of a different formation than we normally have. Um, same thing, you know, our zone scheme is our zone scheme. Our gap scheme is our gap scheme. Uh, but we'll add little wrinkles um, if our kids can handle them, if it's something that we feel is going to be advantageous for us, uh, for our opponent this week. Coach, year after year, you guys, uh, you know, Brian and I, obviously we're in southern Minnesota, so follow MSU closely. Your offenses have been outstanding the last five years, and obviously this last season was a special season for you guys. But for you guys, is that recruiting? Is that what it comes down to, or is it, Obviously, you have a great developmental system there because it's year in and year out, even though there might be a lot of turnover. What what could you really attribute all that success on offense to? Well, you know, you hit it on the head. We're really good coaches and we have really good players, right? Um, so, yeah, you're, it's recruiting. But I think, and you also mentioned development, you know, we try to go out and find the best players that we can. You know, we have a lot of kids on our team that are from – Southern Minnesota and Minnesota and a lot of kids on our team that are from Wisconsin and, you know, the Chicago area and Iowa and Midwest kids who understand Midwest football and, you know, what it takes to play outside, right? That's big. Um, and what we're after, you know, tough, physical, hard-nosed dudes. Um, so we pride ourselves in going out and finding those types of kids who love to play football and, and, and love to be physical and be aggressive. Um, and then, you know, Coach Hoffner, our head football coach, um, does a really good job of developing the kids and their mindset. And then we, as assistant coaches, put it in and implement it, put it into place. We play a lot of guys. You know, we play, you know, we have starters in our program and we have rotational starters. Um, and we play two quarterbacks. We play, you know, two or three running backs. We'll play seven to eight offensive linemen. We'll play three tight ends. We'll roll in, you know, six to seven receivers. And we have a set rotation. Um, that we try to stay pretty close to during during the week, during practice, so they're getting the reps. And then on game day as well, where you're able to, you know, play a lot of different guys and plug those guys in. And um, sometimes it's frustrating because you might be playing a young guy who doesn't know it as well as he should or hasn't experienced it, but how else is he going to get it unless he goes out and does it, you know? So it's something that is – I didn't do – we didn't do that a lot when I was at Simpson. We, you know, stayed – pretty true to our, our too deep and sometimes just our starters. But here we're pretty adamant about playing as many guys as we can play, you know, depending on the situation and, and who we're playing and, and those types of things and what, you know, our strengths and weaknesses are for us as a football program versus the strengths and weaknesses of the opponent we're playing. But we try to get as many guys in and, and as many reps as we can get them so they are ready to go when their numbers call. Does that help you then? Like, you know, we live in a transfer world. Does that help limit? kids from leaving your program early or or quitting or even when you're recruiting guys you could say you know you have an opportunity right away to be a rotational player yeah and i don't we don't decide that the kids decide that 
I'm a firm believer in that. You know, I'm not going to promise anybody any playing time, but here's your opportunity. What you do with that opportunity is up to you. Um, we have it built that way so we can play as many guys as we can. Um, but ultimately, as the player, you're the one who's got to go out and do it, and you got to do the things that we're asking you to do, whether it's, you know, lift the right way, live the right way, sleep the right way, eat the right way, go to class the right way, things that you need to do to get yourself where you want to get to. Um, it does help with retention. It does help with development. Um, and it does help, I think, in the recruiting standpoint, saying, hey, this is what we've done. This, this is how we've run our operation. This is something you'd like to be a part of. Um, so it's kind of been very secular. Like you said, we've had, had some success. Um, so hopefully we can continue to keep that trend. If you were to give advice uh, to a first-time coordinator who maybe is getting ready to run an offense for the first time and really has to build an offense from scratch, what advice would you give them in terms of developing and installing an offensive system? Build it around your players because they're ultimately the people that win the games. So you want to find out who your best players are, what they do the best, and then design what you're doing, be flexible enough to be able to get them the ball with as much space as possible, you know, and be able to get your best players the football. Um, and then get um, make sure that your system is set up where you're off, your guys up front, your five guys and whomever you're playing up front and your tight end, if you have one, um, can play as fast as possible. And there's not a lot of the of thinking there for them where they can communicate quickly, clearly, and play very fast because you're only as good as you're getting it done up front. And, you know, Coach Prosser, our offensive line coach, um, Coach Henning, who helps with our offensive line, and then, you know, um, Coach Bernardi, our tight ends coach, those guys, do a great, they're tremendous teachers. They do a great job making it simple and allowing our kids up front to play very fast. So that, my advice is make sure that you're designing the offense to get your best players the football and making it as simple as you can for your guys up front. And you just hit on that just a little bit about how you empower your assistants and your position coaches as, you know, the leader of the offense. Uh, but, but how do you develop those guys who probably have aspirations of moving up in the future? How do you hold them accountable for their contributions to the offensive success? Well, you know, we talk a lot about, hey, listen, this is what you see is what you coach. And this is, you know, what your guys, that what they're doing is what you're teaching them to do. Whether you like it or don't like it, we've got to get it right. Um, so when we sit down a lot. You know, we watch film every morning as an offensive staff. We film every practice. Um, we film, obviously, the games and sit down and watch those games. First, you watch it by yourself as a position coach on game, uh, you know, on Sundays. And then we come in and we watch it together as an offense. And we talk about, you know, this is what needs to be done. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we want you to teach it. And then, you know, this is why we did, why we're doing this. So everybody's on the same page with what we're doing, how we're doing it. And ultimately, you know, kids want to know why. Coaches want to know why. This is why we're doing it. So that way I think they get a holistic approach to what we're doing and they understand um, not just living in your five-man offensive line world, not just living in your – you know, receiver world or running back world or quarterback world, you know, because ultimately all 11 guys have to work together and it has to be in unison um, because we all depend on each other from player to player and coach to coach. You know, your success is my success and my success is your success. And I can't have success without you having success and vice versa. So the way that we 
talk to each other, the way that we install, the way that we, you know, communicate with each other is big picture. You know, there's also, you know, there's, there's small things that go into it, but it's big picture and understanding the big picture concept of what we're doing. And then you can implement it in the little things on what needs to get done in order to create that big, large picture. Now heading into next season, your offense has obviously had some success. So, you know, complacency could set in, but you know, with the way the thing you guys have been putting in things, that really hasn't ever been a problem for you. But, you know, if, as you look into next season in 2019, you know, what are some of the areas that you're looking to grow in as an offense at MSU Mankato? Score way more, way more points, right? <laughs> um, I always talk about scoring points. You know, offensively, we should – we don't have to worry about it. We, get, we have control of everything. If we outscore, we'll always win. You know, the, the, kid, the kids make fun of me quite a bit because I, I say this. I don't know what, exactly what's going to happen, guys, but I guarantee you this. If we have more points than them when the game's over, we will win. <laughs> we can do that, right? Bottom line, we right. control that. What we want to focus on is making sure that we do a great job running the ball efficiently um, when we run the football, right? And that, for us, being efficient is four more yards on first down. It's getting half the yardage on second down. It's, you know, getting the, the first down on third down or getting the first down on fourth down. You know, to being efficient, staying away from negative plays, whether it's penalties, negative runs, negative passes, taking sacks, those types of things, are that's huge. Um, we talked about running the football and then not turning the football over. You know, I don't, we didn't do a great job of that last year. We turned the ball over too much. So getting better at taking care of the football and, and being smarter with more ball security, whether it's a ball carrier or a quarterback, um, those are huge. And then creating big plays. You know, I think big plays are, are something that's um, big to us as far as what we're doing and having that threat of the big play is something that I think that a lot of defensive coordinators fear. So we want to make sure that we have that and can really attack from anywhere um, at any time. And that's something that we're really focusing on as far as the different things that we're doing formationally. Are we able to attack all areas of defense out of every formation that we have, um, whether we're throwing the football or running the football? So we'll go through all of our formations and say, okay, listen, Here's our formation. You know, say it's pro formation. We're on the left hash, tight ends to the right. You know, you got two backs. You got, you know, your Z receiver to the field, your X to the boundary. You know, are we able to attack every area of the field out of that formation? And we'll go through all of our formations and say, all right, here, listen, man, we can attack all these different areas out of a formation. If we don't feel like we're dynamic enough to threaten the defense out of every, make them defend the whole field and all of the formation, all the gaps, all the vertical threats. And it's probably not a formation that we're going to use a lot or utilize very much. So we, we do a lot of self-scout and self-evaluation as far as what we're doing. Is it something that puts a lot of stress on the defense? Our last question as we wrap up uh, our podcast today, uh, we kind of have a tradition on our show, and then we're going to ask you a question that's unrelated to football, recruiting, uh, X's and O's, anything. So, if you were a WWE wrestler or a professional baseball player and you had to choose your walk-up song, what would that song be? And you have to give us a why. Yeah, this is an awesome question. I thought long and hard about this. And uh, <laughs> yesterday was Andre 3000's 44th birthday. So <laughs> I really like, it. I really, I know that's it's weird that I know that, but I do have Twitter. Um, 
<laughs> so, and I really like Outkast, and I like, you know, Rosa Parks, my favorite song. I like the beginning of it. I like how it starts out, and it just kind of gets me going, and the, the beat is something I really enjoy. So that would be my song, um, Rosa Parks by Outkast. Outkast. 